This is Daryl Wood, host of Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show on Faith Talk 1500. First, let me say this show is your show. That's why no matter what I discuss or which guests I interview, your input is value. If it's in the news, on TV, or at the movies, whether political, social, economic, or whatever, at some point I'm talking about it on Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show, Monday through Thursday from 4 to 6 p.m. on Faith Talk 1500. And life. As a husband and father, I know the stress of managing family finances. And as a pastor, I've seen how handling money poorly can tear lives apart. What if your finances could be worry-free? God has a lot to say about money. Tune in. True Stewardship with Chris Brown at 1 p.m. right here on Faith Talk 1500. More than a 1,000 chapters and 30,000 verses, but you can do it. Read the entire Bible with Bible in a Year. Totally interactive, totally free at BibleStudyTools.com. Listen now to the inspirational and motivational program, Arise and Shine, with your host, Keith Nelson. We greet you on this beautiful Lord's Day in the mighty, matchless, and magnificent name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus, our Christ, and our King. And once again, we are so grateful that you've taken out of your busy Sunday afternoon And spend some time with us as we walk through the Word of God. We're continuing our studies today through the Gospel according to Matthew. As Matthew has viewed and seen Jesus uh, in his ministry. And of course we have echoed on many occasions that Matthew was writing as for Jesus uh, to the Jews as the king. Uh, the descendant, the Messiah, the Christ. Uh, and and so we have been gathering together many precious nuggets out of the Scripture as we have been walking along. We ended our teaching on last Sunday uh, looking at the profession of Peter uh, and Jesus' response to that profession in Matthew, the 16th chapter There we had found that Peter had confessed that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. And uh, Jesus' response to Peter was that uh, he opened up and made the declaration that one of the mysteries of God, the church, was now going to be built on that foundation And we've talked about the foundation of Petra versus Petros uh, and the fact that Petros was uh, Peter in Greek, that small stone uh, in the massive gender, and that Petra was a massive rock in the Greek uh, in the feminine gender and that Christ was no way confusing Peter masculine with the church ecclesia, which is feminine. And so now we we go on and and take a look at a little bit of what Christ has had to say in relationship. He says, uh, uh, upon this rock, he would build his church. That Greek word church is ecclesia. It it means to call out. It is a verb, uh, which, of course, is an action word, and that's what the church is. The church is a called-out body or a gathering of people that have been called forth. 
uh, the Hebrew version of that word was used in Israel when it was called out of Egypt. Uh, and so what we have here is a organism. It's not an organization. So many times we miss the fact, we miss focus when we look at the church as being an organization. It is not an organization. The church is an organism. It has a head. That head is Jesus the Christ. It has a body. The body is the very members in which we have been incorporated to into that body, and all of us are placed at various locations. Uh, Paul basically makes it clear that we are not the same. We are different members, but of the same body. And and that's what uh, Jesus is trying to get across here. Uh, this is an action. The church is moving. It does not stand still. It, it is progressing uh, and it's alive and it's active and it's similar to the word of God, which is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And so Jesus now is saying that he will build this ecclesia, the church, uh, that will be built upon the profession that Christ made, that Jesus is the Son of God. And because Jesus is the Christ, the Son, that is the foundation. And we've given you this scripture on last Sunday, 1 Corinthians three eleven. For no other foundation can no man lay than that which has been laid, which is Jesus the Christ. Jesus is the foundation that the church is built on. Jesus is the head from which the church operates through. Jesus is the stumbling stone in which many will trip over uh, trying to get to the church. And then Jesus is the stepping stone that many will walk up on their way into the presence of God because Jesus is also the gate. So all of this now comes together in relationship to Jesus Christ uh, and calling out and revealing here uh, a mystery that has not been revealed anywhere in the Old Covenant. This is a mystery. This is something that God had kept hid throughout time, and now Christ is revealing it unto Peter and the rest of the disciples. Uh, and, and I like the fact that Jesus is making a statement that is in the future. It is a future tense. I will build my church. The church had not started at that particular time. The church starts on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes. And when the Holy Spirit comes and descends down upon the members that are in the upper room, those are the initial members of the body of Christ. Christ, again, being the head. And, of course, the church could not have started until Christ rose from the dead. And so at the rising of Jesus Christ and the descending of the Holy Spirit and the permission of God the Father, the church is established and it has been being collecting members into its body ever since the day of Pentecost and will continue to collect members into his body unto the day of the rapture. And so the f church is future. 
at this particular point in time as Matthew is writing. It is present today and it exists in two different forms. It is the church militant, those individuals who are part of the church that are still living here on the earth. And then it is the church triumphant, those individuals who are part of the church who has gone on to heaven to be with the Lord. And that's why First Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, when it talks about gathering the church together, it says those who have gone on proceeders in death, we will not be called before them. That First Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, uh, starting at the 13th verse, says at the uh, trump of the archangel and a shout of God, the dead shall rise first. That's part of those who have gone on to be the triumphant part. And then we who are alive will be caught up, and that is part of the militant part of the church, which is a still alive. And then the church will be gathered together, and forever we will be with the Lord. And so we're looking at the church uh, at this particular point in time, at Jesus speaking, and then later on as Matthew is rewriting and remembering what Jesus has said, that the church is going to rise, uh, the church is going to be built. It is founded on the statement or on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Uh, it is founded as Christ as being the chief cornerstone. It is founded as Christ himself being the entryway into the church. Um, John, the 16th chapter, I believe, where he talks about that he is the door of the sheep gate and Christ is the door in which we can get in and it is founded upon the blood, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. So the church belongs to Christ. It is founded by Christ. It is ministered by Christ. It is headed by Christ. And then, of course, it will be called by Christ. And so all of this makes up the church. Uh, and it's an interesting thing that Jesus speaks about the church, if we look at He says, I will build my church in that 18 verse. But he also makes a statement that the church would not be overcome. And he says, the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Here is a, a interesting focus that so many times we lose context of what Christ is saying in the words because we we put our own definitions in from this generation and from this life and not the definitions of the word that were there at the time when Christ was speaking. Remember, good hermeneutics is always not only who is speaking, but who are they talking to and what it meant in the ears of their original hearer. That is the first step of good hermeneutics. Let's look at this statement. Number one, first, Jesus talks about that the church would be so powerful that it will not be dominated by the gates of hell, but it will be able to stand against the gates of hell in, because of its power and authority that it would have. 
Now to understand that statement, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, uh, the Greek word hell or the Greek word for hell is Hades. Hades is taken from the Hebrew word which is Sheol. So Sheol, Hades, and hell is all a representation of the same place, just different words from different languages. So Hebrew is Sheol, Greek is Hades, and English is hell. And so when we bring all three of those together and you look at the word Sheol, Sheol is a word that means and it refers to physical death. When you look at the word Sheol in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, it is always referring to physical death, separation. And so that's what the meaning of the word Hades carries in the Greek. It means separation. Separation of what? The soul from the body. When Jesus talked about Hades, and the story that he gave about the rich man and Lazarus, both of them, when they died, was taken to Hades. One was on the good side and the other was on the bad side, but they both ended up relatively in the same place. The difference was is that the bad side was a place of torment as opposed to the good side of being a place of comfort. So Lazarus was comforted while the rich man was tormented. But this is not the final end result of anyone. Hades is a temporary holding place. And so all of the individuals that were found down in Hades on the good side was taken by Christ back to heaven when he rose from the dead and went back at the end of his 40-day ministry after his resurrection. So death means separation, and because death means separation, death cannot, and what Jesus is saying is, death or separation of body or soul or death, separation of spirit and soul, will not and cannot overcome the church. Physical death cannot take you from the church, the ecclesia that Christ built. Once you have become placed into the body of Christ, you are in the body of Christ and you are there permanently. Death cannot overcome you. Uh, other things cannot take you out. Scriptures confirms in so many places that this is not a doctrine of losing your salvation. This is a doctrine of being kept in permanency in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit seals us unto the day of redemption. We are not lost. We are not placed in a, 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 a place where the wind can toss us and we're in the church one day and we're out of the church the next day. But we are there and we are there permanently. Also, keep in mind that death was one of two entities that was separate. It was not a part of this battle between God and Satan. So many times we talk about and we view the fact that Satan was in charge of Hades. 
Satan in Scripture has never been stated anywhere in Scripture that Satan was a part of Hades or in control of Hades. Death is a separate holding place and has nothing to do with Satan. Satan is the prince of the power of the air. Satan is in control of the systems of this world. Satan is in control of those from an influential standpoint and then some from a dynamic standpoint. But Satan is not in control of any portion of the afterlife. Death now has its control in obedience through Jesus Christ. When Jesus rose from the dead, he had received victory over death and the grave. Look back at Philippians 2 and 9. It states where God has highly exalted him and has given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven and of things in earth and of things under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus the Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Christ is now have victory over death. That's why also in that passage of scriptures in Roman, the question is asked, Death, where is thy sting? And, O grave, where is thy victory? When we see death in the book of Revelation, death is sent forth as a stenomic, uh, symbolic symbol, riding a horse going out at the beginning of the tribulation days. And that death is sent forth by God. At the opening of the seal, it is not under control of Satan. Jesus has the keys of death and Hades, and he is in control of both. And that's why our resurrection has been so victorious, because we are in a position where we no longer have to fear death. Because death even is in the hands and control of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. So what is this that Peter has received authority over? Peter has received authority over the kingdom of heaven in relationship to unlocking and opening its doors. Look at the 19th verse. And Jesus goes on to teach in the 19th verse of the 16th chapter. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whosoever thou shalt bind in heaven shall be bound on earth. Excuse me. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And here we have the focus. He's given the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He is not given the keys of the ecclesia or the church. So many times we get that confused. Nowhere in scripture did Jesus ever say to Peter, I am going to give you the keys to the church. Jesus knew the word ecclesia. He just spoke it in a verse previous to this one. The church and the kingdom of heaven is not 
exactly the same thing. And even with that, Peter is just giving keys. The, the word key or the symbolism of key is authority. He was given authority to what? Open the doors to the kingdom of heaven. He was given authority that is stewardship, that is trust. That's a place of trust where Jesus has placed Peter. And because Peter is in the position of stewardship, as the doors to the kingdom of heaven is open, it is Peter as the one who opens those doors. Take a look at his lifestyle. It was Peter the one on the day of Pentecost that opened the doors to the kingdom of heaven to the Jews. Acts the second chapter 14 through the 36th verse. It was Peter the one in the city of Samaria after Philip and them had went up to Samaria and preached to the Samaritans. They, when the apostles heard, they sent Peter to Samaria. Remember Acts the 8th chapter, the 5th through the 25th verse. And it was Peter that laid hands on them and prayed for them. And then the Holy Spirit descended upon the Samaritans. And it was the same thing, Peter, who God descended into a dream and told him that someone was coming from Cornelius' house to get him. And when he went to Cornelius' house, asked the question of Cornelius, what it is that you want? And Acts the 10th chapter and the 11th verse and several of the verses following that. And it was at that time where Cornelius was saved in his household and the kingdom of heaven was open to the Gentiles. To the Jews first, started in Jerusalem and then go to Judea rest of the Jewish population, and then unto Samaria, Acts 8 and 5, to the Samaritans, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth, that was to the Gentiles, Acts 10 and 1. Peter had the power, he had the authority to extend the kingdom of heaven as an offering to the Jews, to the Samaritans, and then to the Gentiles. This is the authority that Jesus gave to Peter by giving him the keys to the kingdom of heaven, not to the church, not to the ecclesia. And we are so confused when we make the statement and begin to teach that Peter was the first pope of the church, which is poppycock, as Beth said. And so... Here we have now Jesus extending a form of authority to Peter and saying, you are the one who I will give the responsibility to. And when God gives responsibility to someone, he does not override that person who has that responsibility. So as the doors of the kingdom of heaven open, starting with the Jews again, Acts 2.14 and then to the Samaritans, again, Acts 8 and 5, and then to the Gentiles, again, Acts 10 and 11, or the 10th chapter and the 11th chapter in its entirety, if you want to read the whole pericope. It is Peter, the central focus, and the foundation in which all of that is done because Jesus gave him 
the authority, the symbolic keys to the kingdom of heaven. And with this, Jesus charged them. The 20th verse, it said, Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. And I like that because many scriptures, many manuscripts admit the word Jesus and don't put it in. But the Greek actually says that he was Jesus the Christ. And this is where the focus is. Christ is saying it's not yet totally time for me to reveal myself to the rest of the world. I have been revealing myself unto you, the disciples. I've done it when I fed the 5,000. I've done it when I fed the 4,000. I've been doing it as I've been performing the various miracles of healing uh, and casting out demons. I did it in my control over nature and walking on the water. And his final revelation is coming up in the 17th chapter when he transfigured himself on part on top of the Mount of Transfiguration, and then his revelations to the disciples will be complete. It is after that that Jesus will then move towards presenting himself to the masses as he rides in on that day, the triumphant entry uh, on that Palm Sunday. And so he's charging them, you should know, I'm instructing you, but at this time, don't tell anyone else. Of course, his words went unheeded, for many exposed who he was as he goes on to perform his ministry as he walks towards the cross and on that great and high day. We're so thankful that you have spent this time with us today. Our time is coming very close to an end. And as we wrap up and begin to look at next Sunday when we're starting at the 21st verse of that 16th chapter, we'll begin to look at what happens to now his teaching as it begins to shift, as it begins to move. And the focus moves from miracles to the last forms of teaching and education for the apostles so that they will be ready for their ministry and for the difficult hour that is before all of them as Jesus moves closer and closer to the cross on Golgotha's hill. And so we begin to wrap up this portion and the middle portion of Jesus Christ's ministry and began to walk into the last six months of Christ's ministry heading towards that end again that great sacrifice for us for again for he who knew no sin became sin that we might have the righteousness that is within him God bless you today may Lord bless you may the Lord keep you May the Lord shine his face upon you and lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to Arise and Shine with your host, Keith Nelson. Arise and Shine is sponsored by Beulah International Ministries. The ministry's goal is for the Lord to be your primary source of joy 
for your spiritual, physical, and emotional health, and for you to enjoy an intimate relationship with God. Please support this ministry with a love offering to Beulah International Ministries, P.O. Box 316, Farmington Hills, Michigan, 48332. You may also call 248-470-7252 or visit their website at BeulahInternational.org. This is Pastor Emery Moss, Jr., your friendly neighborhood apologist. Tune in to Bible Talk weeknights at 6 on Faith Talk 1500. Hi, this is Pastor Dan McGee from Grace and Truth Radio, and I'd like to personally invite you to join me each day, Monday through Friday at 11.30 a.m. for verse-by-verse teaching right through God's Word. We'd love for you to join us right here on Faith Talk 1500. Listen to Grace and Truth, weekday mornings at 11.30 on Faith Talk 1500. Catch the podcast anytime at faithtalk1500.com. Pastor Mark Byers of Kingdom Living. The idea that you're going to go through life with no problems and and everything's going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise, and there's not going to be any issues, and and you're going to have plenty of money, and you're going to have all the health, and your children are all going to be wonderful. Let me tell you something. God is not going to allow that to happen. He will literally interrupt your comforts to make you something eternal. Kingdom Living, weekday mornings at 1030 on AM 1500 WLQV. 